0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 136. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with Luke chapter 23. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today, we're going to deal with the events of Good Friday in Luke 23. As we left Jesus, he had been arrested at night on what is Monday, Thursday, or the Thursday before Good Friday, and had been tried by the Jews. Now, the problem with the Jews was they wanted to put Jesus to death for blasphemy, but Judea is not at this point under its own rule. It's under the rule of the Romans, and one of the things the Romans reserved for themselves was capital punishment. And so the Jewish leaders at this point, if they want to... Get rid of Jesus as they wish to. They need to get the Romans involved, and so they take Jesus before Pontius Pilate, who is the Roman governor of Judea. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. So Jesus comes before Pilate the first time. And one of the things that is not mentioned in this version of the Gospels, but is mentioned in one of the other Gospels, that Pilate's wife has had a dream about this man and tells him he should have no part in this crucifixion. He should have no part in this trial. It's a, And he pretty clearly can tell that this is a mock trial, that they're making things up against Jesus, because they're accusing him of opposing taxes to Caesar, which he didn't do, and then claiming to be the Christ, which is true, a king, but Jesus is no threat to the Romans. Jesus is a threat to the religious authorities. And Pilate is shrewd enough to figure that out pretty soon. But the reasons why they make those claims, which are very different than the claims in the trials of the night before, is this is a political trial, and they have to charge him with something that will upset Rome enough to put this man to death. Pilate finds a way out, he learns that Jesus is a Galilean, and Galilee is under the jurisdiction of one of Herod the Great's sons, now, Herod the Great had a number of sons by a number of wives. In fact, it's a very complicated family tree if you look at it. I think he had five wives, and it's, it's just very complicated. And one of his sons used to be in charge in Judea, and such a bad king, and he was under still the authority of Rome. He was a client king is what the term would be. But the Jews asked that he be replaced with a governor, which is why we have Pilate here. But he sends him off to Herod, When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. For a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressed him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies." So Herod mostly wanted to see Jesus for show. Now, Herod is the Herod who has had John the Baptist killed. He'd had him executed as a gift to his daughter when his daughter asked for it, even though he didn't want to. But the reason why he had arrested John the Baptist in the first place was that Herod has married his brother's sister, is guilty of adultery under the Jewish law. And John the Baptist kept pointing that out, which when you point out the truth to people in power, you take a risk. And John did and eventually was killed for it. So he wants to have Jesus here to perform some miracle. For those of you who've seen the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, the the song goes, prove to me that you're no fool, walk across my swimming pool. And that is an accurate portrayal of what Herod is looking for. He is looking for spectacle. He is looking for Jesus to do something. When he doesn't, when he doesn't perform as he wants him to, they mock him and they send him back. So Pilate's again dealing with Jesus. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, and said to them, "You brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion." I have examined him in your presence and found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he has sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. With one voice they cried out, Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. What Luke doesn't point out is, at this holy time of the year, we're just around the time of Passover, remember again, that it was the customary for the Roman governors to please the people by releasing one prisoner. And so Pilate had said, do you want to release Jesus or do you want to release Barabbas? And, And Barabbas was a revolutionary. Luke does record that they're crying out to release Barabbas instead. And so Pilate has found Jesus innocent, which is interesting, but he was still going to punish him even though he was innocent for political expediency. And we are told in the other counts that Pilate does have him scourged before he is crucified, which he wouldn't normally do. He had him scourged because he was not guilty of anything deserving of death, and he just was trying to please the crowds by, by punishing him in some way. You wouldn't normally scourge someone, whip them with the basically the cat of nine tails, which strips the flesh from his bones, which is in itself can be used to kill somebody or can be used to punish them just up in the point of death and then crucify them. For one thing, it would make the crucifixion much shorter and much less painful. And the point of crucifixion, which is reserved for the lowliest of people, you cannot be crucified as a Roman citizen, is a deterrent. And so you want people to publicly suffer for a long period of time. So they cry out for Barabbas. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. And so Pilate at the end shows a lack of courage of his conviction. He doesn't want a riot started because as a governor, that is one of the biggest things that can go against you is the Romans-like order. And the other Gospels report that the crowd also shouted that if you don't crucify him, you are no friend of Caesar. And so basically, they threaten his job. And at that point, he doesn't care enough and allows Jesus to be crucified. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if these men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? So two different things going on here. First of all, Simon from Cyrene, and we learn in the other Gospels that probably his family is known to the early Christians. There is evidence then that Simon's family were Christian. Simon is uh, Possibly a black man, at least from Cyrene, would imply that in terms of where that region is. And he's preserved that way in church history. And he is minding his own business, and they take him from the crowds because Jesus, who has been scourged, Jesus who has been punished already, can't bear the cross. He's supposed to take the cross piece of the cross on his back all the way to Golgotha basically carrying the instrument for his own death with him and he is already weak from loss of blood and so he stumbles and they get someone else to carry the cross. And then the people are crying for him and Jesus prophesies against Jerusalem, probably prophesying against what is going to happen when Jerusalem is sieged and destroyed coming up here in about 30-40 years. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen one. but we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And so this is Luke's account of the crucifixion. And the two thieves, one of whom is mocking Jesus and one of whom is in Luke's account, the last one who is professing Jesus as Lord, the last one who recognizes Jesus before Jesus' death. And even though he is under sentence of death, he is received by Jesus as one of his own. We get the crowds and the soldiers jeering. We get the mocking sign that Pilate has put above Jesus' head, this is the king of the Jews, as Jesus is wincing in agony. One of the things that we need to understand about crucifixion, and I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but crucifixion, as I said, is intended to be a deterrent, is intended to be a terrible way to die. You are resting on the nails in your wrists and the nails in your feet, and as you hang down on the nails in your wrist, you cannot breathe and you cannot talk. So when Jesus wants to talk, wants to say something like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He needs to push himself up on the nails in his feet so that he can grab a breath to talk. So as Jesus is pronouncing forgiveness, he is in agony as he is putting the weight on the wounds in his feet. And then he would sink back down and wait until he needed to draw another breath. And basically, at the time that someone dies, you die because you don't have the strength left to push yourself up to grab a breath. Jesus will die sooner than these other two because he has been beaten, because he has been scourged. And again, Luke's account doesn't mention that detail, but we learn that from the other accounts. It was now about the sixth hour. The darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb, cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph, and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the command. And so this is Jesus' death. He, he dies, there is darkness, and the curtain in the temple is torn in two. The curtain in the temple is significant because the curtain separates the holiest of holies from the rest of the temple. And The reason why it separates it is to protect us from the wrath of God. The High Priest can only go in once a year on the Day of Atonement. And with Jesus' death, the atonement has happened. The payment for our sin has taken place here on Good Friday. And so the curtain is torn by this earthquake as God is telling us that there does not need to be separation between you and I anymore. I have taken care of your debt. I have taken care of your sin once for all. And therefore, we as Christians no longer do the blood of animals for sacrifice because those were a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus and were incomplete. And so then Jesus is taken by Joseph of Arimathea and he is buried and Other than the preparation of the body, as far as everyone is concerned, the story is over. They're planning on going back and anointing the body after the Sabbath day with these spices and perfumes as a way of saying goodbye. But as far as they know, at this point, this tomb is given to Jesus, not rented to Jesus. They're expecting that the body will stay there and we'll see next week that he does not. With that, we'll wrap up this episode, a rather long episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to go to thebiblestudypodcast.com and leave a comment, or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening.